This is a special podcast from the Triple Helix Cambridge Café Scientifique, sponsored by the Medical Research Council and the Learning Revolution. I'm Ben Valsler from thenakedscientists.com. Café Scientifique events are a great way to find out what's happening in science and to put your questions directly to the scientists involved. Each month, the Triple Helix Society hosts a free event at the ADC Theatre in Cambridge, inviting the audience to get engaged with science and discuss some often controversial topics. October's discussion was about how nanotechnology gets into your food. To find out more about Café Scientifique and about the nano-food topic, I spoke to Dr Kate Quinlan, who organised the event. Café Scientifique is something that goes on all around the world and it's a forum for people to come and hear about science, hear about new science that's changing our world and changing our lives. So it's a really informal atmosphere for anyone from the general public to come along. It doesn't matter how much science you know, you could learn something and you can ask some questions and hear about science from the experts. And speaking of experts, who did you have on this evening? So today we had Dora Pereira, and she did a fantastic talk about nanofoods. And I must admit, before I came tonight, I had absolutely no idea what a nanofood was. And I think everyone in the audience now actually knows what one is and how they might be useful in foods and what we can do with them and also a lot of the safety concerns. So it was really, really informative. And do you think it's important that the public do have an opportunity to talk face-to-face with scientific researchers like this? Absolutely. I think it's really, really important. It's very easy as a scientist to sit behind the bench and and play with your test tubes and not even consider what this science means to the general public and what you know what this actually means to the world in general. It's very easy to forget about that. And it's very difficult sometimes for the public to understand science because you can use a lot of jargon and you can explain it in a really complicated way. But if people take a step back and use simple standard words to explain it, not using complicated science jargon, it's really, really accessible to the general public if people just take a bit of time to, to think about how they present it. And I think it's really, really important to engage the public and explain what we're doing in our lab and how this might one day be a benefit to everybody. That was Dr Kate Quinlan. And so to explore what nanofoods actually are and how they might one day be a benefit or even a risk, I spoke to Dr Dora Pereira to find out what role nanotechnology currently plays in our diet. In the UK it has still very little, but uh, worldwide it's mostly still in the food supplements, dietary supplements in terms of vitamins, minerals. It has already... uh, quite a high prevalence, about 50 to 60 products are available commercially and uh, the market for uh, nanofood products, I think it's estimated to be around $20 billion and, and rising and the food companies are very interested, all the major food companies like Nestle, Unilever, they are very interested in these new technologies so I think it will become very big in the next years. What sort of things are we seeing? How do you incorporate nanotechnology into a supplement? We're very used to taking a tablet that might have all of the vitamins you need for a day. How do we incorporate nanotechnology there? Uh, it's just in, uh, in the way we make those vitamins. For example, a vitamin supplement, we can uh, make a compound of those vitamins that is in the nano size, so uh, a one millionth of a meter in terms of size. If we make it that size, maybe it will get better absorbed, it will be better taken up and it will have less adverse effects. That's how we can incorporate nanotechnology in the dietary supplements. Do we have solid evidence? Is it on good grounds that these nano-sized supplements will be better taken up? 
In some cases, yes. For example, in terms of mineral supplements, I think they have a very high potential to be better taken up because the major drawback for mineral absorption is that they polymerize and become very large and then precipitate and don't get taken up. So if we can prevent them from getting that big and make them small in the first place and make them stable so that they stay small, then the cells will be able to take them up much better. One of the concerns with uh, nanoparticles in the environment is that they end up building up in a certain place. They might build up in plants if they've got into the soil. Is it possible these things could build up in our digestive system if they get into our foods? Yes, yes, that's possible. We have seen some particles, for example, some food additives that are used in, uh, in commercial foods, for example, titanium dioxide. It accumulates in the gut lining, uh, in the gut wall, in our colon. We don't have a mechanism to absorb titanium because it's not something we actually need or that our body needs. So they can accumulate. They eventually will be excreted over time with the shedding of the gut lining wall, but they can accumulate, and over a lifetime, we don't know what will be the effect in terms of safety. So in addition to nanotechnology going into the food that we actually put in our mouths, it's also being used in the packaging. You mentioned earlier that there might be coatings for cheese that will keep away fungus and bacteria. Yes, Yes, I think that's probably the first nanotechnology products we will see in our foods will be in that area, in the area of nano food packaging and uh, in terms of coatings, nano coatings, because... It's not actually the food that you are modifying, but you're actually preventing it from getting spoiled, for example, in the nano-coatings, from getting spoiled by fungus in terms of cheeses, or you're improving the packaging. They call it smart packaging because eventually it will be able to detect oxygen, it will even be able to detect salmonella poisoning in chicken, chickens that are are not good to eat. So eventually I think that will be a, a very big application and that will come much before the actual modification of the food. And also uh, lining the inside of jars and bottles so that we make sure that all of yes. the very last bit of our ketchup yeah, yeah, will yeah. slide out. Yes, yes. <laughs> they are very, very, all the major brands of uh, mayonnaise and ketchup are very interested in this. And there are even um, coatings for beer bottles as well. I think I, there's in the US already a beer bottle that's a plastic bottle instead of being, normally they are glass because beer has all this gas. Then if it's plastic, eventually it will leak out, but they have developed this new coating for beer bottles that can be made out of plastic and uh, prevent the use of so much glass. So I think in terms of packaging, yeah, it's a very exciting field as well. So, <laughs> so there's obviously a great range of opportunities with this, as well as some risks. How are we concentrating on making sure that we don't let nanotechnology into food which could be dangerous? What are the testing regimes? At the moment, it's still very much in the air. There are standard animal toxicology tests that are applied to most of our food additives and food um, dietary supplements, but people are saying that maybe those were not useful in terms of nanotech to assess toxicity of nanotechnology because the particles are so small, they may not show any positive effect on, on those tests. But it's still very much in the air. The scientific community cannot agree in uh, which ones are the best tests. And uh, there is a big consultation from government agencies, the Food Standards Agency, the EU, in terms of trying to get scientists funded to actually look at that and see which tests are the best to assess the toxicity of these particles. 
That was Dora Pereira from the MRC's Human Nutrition Research Labs explaining how nanofoods can benefit us, but also the problems of categorising and testing foods that contain nanoscale particles. This is the area where Café Scientifique really comes into its own, helping people to be aware of problems and potential issues before they arise and allowing them to make informed decisions based on good science. But what about this audience? I found out why a few of the people had come along and if the evening had shaped their opinions on nanofoods. I've been to previous Café Scientifiques when they were in other places and I saw it had started up again and I wanted to see what it was like. And did you know before you came what the topic was going to be? I'd seen the poster on the internet but I didn't really understand it. I had no idea of what a nanofood was. (laughs) I do now. What do you think of nanofoods now? Has it given you an opinion about them? I can't get my head around nanoscale emulsions. That was the thing that that sparked my imagination. But I think everything should be looked at with any kind of new technology. There might be a few things that you have to worry about, but there's also lots of good things. Well, partly because it's just nanofoods, and I'm not quite sure what actually that means. I didn't realise it's actually about nanotechnology applications in food processing and stuff like that, which um, a lot of people wouldn't have heard about it much. They don't know it. They buy the product, but they don't actually know how they did it. And last year, I read the Scientific American, and on the website, they, they were talking about legislations, you know, like starting to be concerned about the toxicity of the nano, nano foods, so to speak, uh, because it got really popular. Some people were very worried that, you know, they start doing all these things, you know, and then roll the product without proper testing. So um, the Americans have been worrying about this, you know, way before the Europeans started. So... That's why I came, really, uh, just to see what, what they're saying now. You know, Finally, you know, it become a topic here in Cambridge. So those who had never heard of nanofoods, as well as those who already had an interest in the science and politics of how nanotechnology impacts on our diet, went away with much to consider. Nanofood for thought, you might say. I caught up with Kate Quinlan again to find out what was coming up in the next Café Scientifique. So next month we've got a fantastic talk coming up about exploiting bacteria to battle cancer. And where can people go to find out more? Okay, so the Cafe Scientific in Cambridge is run through the Triple Helix Society. So you can go to the Triple Helix website. Also, there's a National Cafe Scientific website. So if you just look up Cafe Scientific, you can find a Cafe Scientific that's in your area and you can link to the Cambridge one through that. So come along to the ADC Theatre and join in to find out how scientists are exploiting bacteria to tackle tumours. The Triple Helix Cambridge Café Scientifique is sponsored by the Medical Research Council and this has been a special podcast produced by me, Ben Valsler, from thenakedscientist.com with support from The Learning Revolution. <laughs>